Welcome to A Little Self-Reliant, a podcast designed to help you embrace a bit more self-sufficiency no matter where you're at. I'm your host, Ashley Constance, and my mission is to guide you towards practical and attainable skills to cultivate a more self-reliant life. Whether you live on a farm in the country or a house in the city, I believe that there is something for everyone in the world of self-reliance. If you love soul-centered conversations around growing food, sustainability, modern homesteading, and connection to the land that feeds us, then this is the place for you. Hello, and welcome back to the podcast. Today is Monday, January 31st of 2022. We did it. (laughs) We made it through January. I'm not sure if you're like me, but I find January to be one of the most difficult months to get through of the entire year. Where I live in the Northern Hemisphere, it is the dead of winter, Christmas is over, the holidays are over, but winter is kind of just beginning, and January just feels like such a slog. It's a long month, it's a cold month, it's a dark month, and I'm always so excited to say goodbye to January. So we're heading into February, which is a nice short month, and then when March hits, it's kind of like pre-spring around here. The days start getting longer, the time change kicks in, and everything just starts feeling a little bit more optimistic. So I am really looking forward to that. So it has been a extremely busy week around here, and I've been trying to figure out what I wanted to talk about, and I've got a few different podcast topic ideas that I've kind of been tossing around in my brain, and I do still want to talk about all of them, but to be perfectly transparent... I just did not have the time to dedicate to a super in-depth episode this week. So I figured instead we would have a little kind of like soul chat. Um, I just wanted to talk about something that's kind of been on my heart and on my brain, and hopefully it resonates with you at least a little bit. We are going to get into that in just a minute, but first, homestead update. So I just got back from a lovely weekend in Calgary. I was visiting a couple of my good friends there. I spent one night with my friend who lives like right downtown in the middle of the city. And we did like a big meal prep kind of cooking day together. We prepped a whole bunch of food for the freezer and just kind of caught up and hung out. And that was really lovely. And then I went to my other friend's house the night after and hung out with her and her fiance and We just had a lovely time and it was so good to be back in my old stomping grounds, but I definitely always love coming home to this property. It's so beautiful and quiet out in the country and it really is starting to feel like home out here. So unfortunately, while I was away, one of our chickens had a little bit of a medical emergency, I'm going to call it. We're still not 100% sure what happened, but I was in Calgary on Friday. I was running some errands. I was out shopping. And I get a text from my husband, and it's a video of one of our new hens. She's not even a year old yet. Her name's Ginny. She is a buff Orpington, and she just started laying her first eggs, actually, this past week. And he sends me a video of her, and she's kind of doing this, like, wheezing thing, like, gasping for air, making these, like, horrible gasping sounds. And then she would, like, intermittently scream, like, these blood-curdling screams, and... At first, he was kind of like, wow, she's really excited about the fact that she just laid an egg, but it kind of kept going on and on and it kept getting worse. And he sends me another video and he's like, I don't think she's okay. I think something's wrong. 
And in the video, she looked pretty terrible. Like you can tell that she's really struggling to breathe and her comb and her waddles, which are those like little giblety things that hang down um, from their chin, they're usually bright red. And hers were turning kind of purpley, which is not a good sign. That usually points directly to the fact that they're having trouble breathing. They're struggling to breathe and they don't have enough oxygen in their blood. So they start to kind of have this purpling thing happen. And that's never something you want to see. So, of course, I'm sitting in my car in the parking lot of the grocery store in the middle of Calgary, texting back and forth with my husband and Googling and panicking a little bit and kind of trying to figure out what the heck is going on with this chicken. And if you have animals of any kind, whether they're livestock or pets or whatever, um, you know that, you know, a little sneeze could be something as simple as a little sneeze, or it could be like you have some kind of terrible cancer and you're going to die, right? Like, and it's the same with the animals. It could be not a big deal and it could be a really big deal. So we isolated her right away. And by we, I mean Sean, because of course I wasn't there. So he put her in a little cage inside the garage just to get away from the flock in case something really was wrong. And we kind of start doing some reading and I'm reading about like terrifying things like something called gape worm, which is like a really terrible parasite that basically sets up shop in the throat of the chickens and slowly strangles them to death. And I'm hearing about different types of like diseases that basically go through the whole flock, slowly killing them off one by one in a really horrific, painful, long and drawn out way. And I'm reading about things as simple as the fact that maybe she has something stuck in her throat and she's trying to clear it. So Sean is like opening up her mouth and trying to massage her neck and trying to figure out what's going on. And meanwhile, she's like, she's gasping and screaming. And he basically says to me like, Ash, I'm really sorry, but like this chicken is going to die, like for sure. Like he was positive she wasn't going to make it. And I'm like, okay, you know, like obviously I'm sad. I'm crying in the parking lot in my car by myself, but this is what it is when you have animals, right? So long story short, he brings her into the house for the night And he ends up going to the vet, like trying to see if he can get a certain medication for this respiratory infection. They're like, yeah, we can get it for you, but we have to order it in and it's going to take a couple days and all these things. And like, we're thinking about deworming in case it's this weird worm, which it turns out, I guess it's probably not because that particular worm is like super, super rare in Alberta. And all of this to say, we basically, you know, give her some immune boosting herbs like for chickens, things like garlic and rosemary and oregano and all that. And just kind of like let her calm down, let her sit inside, try to work out what's going on. And she kind of is still gasping through the rest of the night. And, you know, Sean says goodnight to her and tells me like, OK, I'm going to bed. Like, hopefully she's alive in the morning. And then the next morning he wakes up, he goes downstairs. She's eating, drinking, booping around like totally fine. She's back to her normal coloring. She's not gasping. She's not screaming. And so he's like, I think she might be okay. So we kind of just let her kind of go through the day, keep an eye on her. We still wanted to keep her separated from the main flock. And by the end of the day, she was still fine. And then this morning he woke up and texted me and said, yep, she's totally fine. And actually she even laid an egg in her cage. So at this point we're thinking she probably had something stuck in her throat because no other chickens are showing any symptoms. She didn't have any of like the telltale respiratory distress signs, which are like running eyes, running nose, all that kind of stuff. So we put her back out with the flock and I think everything's going to be okay. But this was a huge lesson for us because we advocate for being prepared. We advocate for being self-reliant and we realized we didn't have the medication that we needed on hand if this ever were to become an issue. And it is a multiple day 
order, like they have to order it in and we have to wait a few days before it comes in. So if this was like a life and death situation with a respiratory illness, we probably would have lost her and maybe other birds in the flock as well. That being said, I don't necessarily know that we're going to purchase medications that we don't need just to have them on hand in case they go bad for our chickens, but to each their own in that. What I was really grateful for is that we had so many different herbs on hand that we could boil and kind of turn into this kind of like supercharged tea that we could have the chickens drink to kind of help boost their immunity. So a bit of a lesson in that, in preparedness, it would have been even better if we had that kind of garlic, onion, spice tea already made in the freezer, and Sean could have just thawed it and given it to the chickens. So that's what he did. He ended up making up a huge batch of it and gave some of it to all of the birds, and then now we have some in the freezer in case anything like this ever crops up again. And we can revisit the medication thing, but it was just really nice to know that being able to go to the vet and like know kind of what we're looking for. And depending on your relationship with the vet, you may or may not need to actually have them look at your animal. But we learned a lot through this experience and it looks like little Miss Ginny will actually live to see another day, which makes me really, really happy because I really like her. Okay, that was a little bit of a ramble, but I felt like it was a worthwhile story. And one other thing that has happened this week is that I actually started fermenting. So Things like sauerkraut, kimchi, kombucha, actually a lot of the alcohols we drink, like wine and beer, all of those are fermented food and beverages. And I love ferments. I love kimchi. I love sauerkraut. And I actually have spent quite a bit of money in the past buying like really, really good kimchi and sauerkraut. So I figured I would try my hand at making my own. And so I bought what I needed. I bought these little like fermentation weights and these little airlock lids and had a recipe book and got all excited and bought all my ingredients and made up a big batch of kimchi and a big batch of sauerkraut. The sauerkraut has to ferment for multiple weeks. So I haven't checked on that yet, but the kimchi only had to sit for three to five days before it was done. So a couple days ago, I opened up the kimchi. I was all excited. I wanted to taste it and see what it was like. And I opened it up and it was like a slimy, smelly, weird mess. Like definitely not normal, definitely not how it's supposed to be. So I did some research and when you're dealing with food preservation, especially fermentation, there are a variety of things that can cause things to kind of go a little bit awry. And in this case, it could have been anything from the amount of carrots that I put in the kimchi because carrots have a lot of sugar and have a tendency to kind of turn a little bit goopy and a little bit slimy as they ferment. Or it could even be our well water because our well water has kind of like some funky stuff in it and that could have introduced some weird bacteria that made the batch do some freaky things. So unfortunately my kimchi is a loss. I'm going to be throwing it in the garbage because it is not fit for consumption. But I am definitely going to try again because I'm really excited about the idea of being able to do my own ferments and I think that'll be a really good way to preserve a lot of things from the garden in the summer as well. So this brings us all the way back around to the topic for the day, which is that it is okay to suck at new things. (laughs) And this is something that I should probably just like tattoo on my forehead because I constantly need this reminder as well. If you're like me, failures, I'm using air quotes when I say failures, um, in my mind, I'm trying to reframe them as like unsuccesses or pre-successes, like they're not successful yet. But these quote unquote failures can be very disheartening and they can really have a tendency to make you just want to give up. Just throw in the towel, say, no, I suck at this. I don't want to do this anymore. At least that's how I usually feel. 
when something doesn't come naturally to me right away, I often am really hard on myself and I just want to stop trying altogether. I've been like this since I was a child. (laughs) There is actually a famous story of when we were at a family cabin and all of us kids were kind of learning how to water ski and I just, I couldn't do it. I've never been very athletically inclined to be honest with you, but all my friends are, you know, they're popping up on their water skis and they're living their best lives, like doing all these fun tricks behind the boat. And I just, I can't even get up. Every time I try, I am falling flat on my face. I'm getting more and more embarrassed and little eight-year-old Ashley basically had a little bit of a meltdown in the middle of the lake and said, nope, that's it. I am swimming back to the cabin. I don't want to be a part of this anymore because I am bad at it. And I am not quite that dramatic anymore, but I do still have that tendency to just want to say, no, screw this. This is hard. I don't want to play anymore. But lately I've kind of found myself challenging that. And I've been trying a lot more new things, especially since moving out to this homestead. And these are things that I'm not necessarily good at right off the bat and things that don't really come naturally to me. And it's been teaching me a lot. Back in April, I started, along with a friend, taking horseback riding lessons. And I grew up riding horses. I rode English up until I was about 12 years old and then stopped. And at almost 30 years old, decided to pick it back up again and this time try riding Western. And it was extremely humbling because I wasn't good at it right away. I was kind of freaked out. I had a bad experience when I was a kid. But getting back in the saddle every single week and making that progress, no matter how small, was extremely empowering. And then in August, I started playing around with archery. For my birthday, I treated myself to a recurve bow and we set up a target in the backyard and I just had a blast playing with my bow and arrow. Am I fantastic at it? No, but I really enjoy it. And it was also super cool to see the progress over time. I also recently started watercolor painting of all things. I'm an artistic person, like I'm a creative person, but I'm not a natural artist. I'm not very good at drawing. I'm not very good at like painting or any of that, but I've just, I've always wanted to try it. And so I bought a cheap little watercolor set and a few brushes and I started painting and it's been so fun and I'm not amazing at it, but I'm really enjoying learning and that's okay. And then most recently, of course, this unsuccess that I experienced with fermenting is just another example of not being fantastic at something right off the bat. Sometimes when people think about trying something new, they are absolutely paralyzed by fear of all the things that could go wrong and they never even start. Or maybe they do start and they fail once and then they never try again. This can be true with gardening, cooking, baking, food preservation, raising animals, construction projects, hobbies, sports, the list goes on and on and on. I am trying really hard to reframe what I see as failures as learning opportunities. We can learn for ourselves, but we can also help others to avoid making the same mistakes in the future that we made if we actually talk about these unsuccesses. And I think oftentimes we want to avoid sharing those unsuccesses because they're not very sexy. I don't think anybody wants to see a picture of my goopy, slimy, nasty kimchi that didn't ferment properly, but I'm, I took pictures and I'm probably going to share them because I think it's important for people to know that most people aren't good at things right away. In our increasingly digital world, we often only see the highlight reels on social media. And this is, this goes for everything. This goes for vacations. This goes for everyday life. This goes for people's families, homesteads, everything. People aren't posting their failures or unsuccesses or their, what I like to call messy middles, that spot between the beginning and the finished product where you figure things out. People often don't want to talk about that part because again, it's not sexy. It's not pretty. 
there's the beginning, which is this announcement of, oh, I decided to do this thing. And then there's the I did a thing announcement that comes at the end, but rarely do we see the slog that is the messy middle. This can be true in large accomplishments, such as starting a business, running a marathon, or buying a house. But it can also be true in the smaller things in life, like growing your first tomato, or baking that perfect crusty loaf of sourdough bread, or even knitting a scarf. And I would love to see people starting to normalize sharing their unsuccesses. Sharing their, hey, I tried something new and it didn't go as planned, but here's what I learned along the way. Can we normalize trying a second time, a third time, or even a 64th time if we really, truly want to get something right? Can we also normalize trying something new, failing at it, trying again, failing again, maybe deciding, you know what, this actually isn't really for me, I'm not even enjoying this, and being okay with that? I think when we share our unsuccesses and our quote-unquote failures, there's a little bit of power in that. It's like, hey, I did this thing and I, I sucked at it and that's okay. And if you're doing a thing and you suck at it, that's also okay. And then people don't feel so alone in the kind of ocean of suck that we sometimes find ourselves in when we're trying to learn new things. It's not fun to feel like you're the only one in the world who can't get the hang of this thing. There are things I have tried in the past that I wasn't good at and I also just didn't enjoy and I don't want to keep trying them. I took dance classes a couple of years ago, and I had a lot of fun, but it wasn't really for me. I found it to be more work than it was worth in enjoyment, and I decided, you know what, I'm not a dancer, at least not in front of people, and that's fine. I also famously absolutely suck at sewing, and I don't care to get better at sewing. When I was in high school, I took the home at class where we sewed ourselves a pair of pajama pants, and I sewed my legs right together and couldn't figure out how to get them apart and submitted them for my final marks and failed the sewing unit. (laughs) And then a couple of years ago, I thought, you know what, I'm going to give sewing another try. I went out, I bought a secondhand sewing machine, and I bought some basic fabric and tried a couple things. And I was like, you know what, I'm not having a good time. I don't like this. I don't find it fun. I don't think it's worth continuing. Turned around, sold the sewing machine. That's okay. I don't need to sew. I am, however, going to keep trying to get better at fermenting. I'm going to keep trying to get better at podcasting. I want to get better at archery. I want to get better at horseback riding because those are all things I really enjoy and things that I feel like bring a ton of value to my life and also to my homestead, if I'm being honest. There's this quote from this show called Adventure Time, which I've never seen, but I've heard this quote floating around. And it is that sucking at something is the first step towards being sort of good at something. And I think of that all the time. I'm not out here trying to be the best at any of these things, but I'm okay with putting in the time to suck in order to be kind of okay at it at some point. And hey, maybe you try something and you actually are really good at it right off the bat and you find out you have this natural gift for something that you didn't even realize you had. That's always a possibility as well. So I know this is kind of a little bit of a ramble, but I just really wanted to share it because I think it's important for people to remember that it's okay to struggle in the beginning when you're learning something new. It's okay to share that if you want, you don't have to, but if we could just take the pressure off of ourselves to be perfect at things right away, I think we would all feel a lot better. If you're thinking of trying something new, but you're afraid of failure or of not being good at it right away... I am just sending you all of the encouragement to just go for it anyway. Show up imperfectly and try your best, even if your best isn't awesome in the beginning. 
So I would love to know what you're going to try this year. If there's something that you're feeling inspired to give a go, please reach out to me. I would love for you to tag me on Instagram. I would love for you to DM me. I am cheering you on from the sidelines because I know how nerve wracking it can be to take on a brand new skill for the first time. All right. I also just wanted to make a little announcement before I let you go. There will not be a podcast episode next week. I am going to be switching to a bi-weekly schedule, so releasing podcasts every two weeks for the foreseeable future. And this is just because I'm really buckling down, trying to focus on school, and things are getting just really busy with that. And I definitely need to create more time in my life to focus on school right now. I'm kind of sad because I'm loving the momentum of releasing these weekly episodes, but as I'm sure you have heard from other podcasters, producing these shows is an astonishing amount of work, and I am just trying to balance it with my school, work, life, and homestead balance. So I am not going anywhere. I will be back in mid-February. I also want to work on getting a few guests on the show in the future as well as continuing these solo episodes. So I'm going to get to work on reaching out to a few people and figuring out how to structure all of that because I'm really looking forward to having some fresh conversations here on the show for you. Okay, so as always, thank you so much for listening and have a great few weeks. I'll be back in mid-February and I will talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to A Little Self-Reliant. I hope you learned something or felt something or maybe even gained some inspiration to try something new. Feel free to connect with me on Instagram at a little self-reliant or you can follow our homesteading adventures under the handle Dirty Paws Homestead. You can also visit a little self-reliant.com to see the blog post and show notes that accompany this episode. And until next time, remember, we may not be able to do everything, but a little self-reliance goes a long way. <laughs>